Já viu rico namorar pobre? It is officially episode 13, which is perfect because it is spooky Halloween season. 13 is also my lucky number. So I have to say I'm very partial to this particular episode. Well, you know, we have our usual suspects. Um, We have the incomparable Shekshi Sherry. What's going on, bitches? I'm back. I didn't go anywhere. I'm just back on air. Thank you. And sexy Pensacola Paul. Hello, everybody. Um, I actually have brought a guest with us on today. Um, He is a friend of mine, uh, someone who I got to have the privilege of working with earlier this year um, in a film that he had wrote and directed. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce. It is Mr. Jonathan Mitchell. I don't go by Jonathan. You want to go by Jono? Yeah, I, I go by Jonathan. Everybody, yeah, worry about This is Jono. This is Jono. It's recorded. Jono Mitchell. It. Keep it in there. Don't edit it out. Jono, that's a mistake on Shane. And sure I guess is. we'll hear for all this time. Y'all hear me rip on him this whole episode. Because if he could do well, something you know, right, I would be surprised. Jono, oh. you are so welcome here because you already know the theme of this. Because Shane is truly out of control. If it weren't for us keeping us, him humble, he would truly like float off of Earth's stratosphere with how big his fucking head is. So I appreciate this. Jono's probably seen a different side of me, to be honest. <laughs> I, have. I have seen a very different side than that. Um because in, in, in the world that I see Shane, it's not his head that will float away. It's them ass cheeks. Keep it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now we're getting the truth, girl. We're getting the truth. <laughs> this is Dang, what I want to hear. You in danger. <laughs> oh, fuck. Danger. Fuck. You in danger, girl. Bring the alarm. I've been through yes. this too long. Jono, we are so happy to have you. It's going to be such an exciting episode. Honestly, I think we are already fast friends because we share a common interest, and that is shitting on Shane. So I just can't happy wait. to bring people together. I was talking, but thank you so much, Shane. Um, also, I'm just excited to hear all the great input that you have to offer to this podcast today. I'll say some stuff. Whether or not it's great, we'll find out. Well, you're already a friend of the pod, so you get our stamp of approval. So we always start the episodes by just giving recommendations for media that we've been consuming lately. So um, what do you guys got? Shane, I feel like you always go first. So jump right in. Uh, So this week, this past weekend, the new season of You dropped. And I'll be the first to admit, every time a new season comes out, I feel like this has to end at some point. Joe Goldberg can only run for so long. And you know what? Each time I still binge the shit out of it. Season three, batshit crazy. Wild writing, good performances, good soapy thriller shit. It's great. It's a whole lot of fun. I honestly love you. It's like the shittiest show I've ever seen, but cannot get enough of it. I 
want it to be cheesier and like more disgusting every single season. And I have no issues with it. What I do have an issue with is content police who were like, this is such a bad show. Yeah, girl, I know. Did I say that it deserves a friggin' Oscar? I didn't. I enjoy watching it and it's entertaining. So I'm going to co-sign. I did not watch this new season though. But my recommendation this week is actually also Netflix. It's made on Netflix with Andy McDowell and her daughter, which I'm so sorry, um, whoever you are, daughter, I don't know your name, but nepotism rears its ugly head once again. And she's amazing, whoever she is. She does a great job in made on Netflix. Um, And apparently it's really popular and it's on track to beat some records. If you haven't watched it, I mean, there's definitely some problematic content that is enveloped and it's beautiful um enrapturing performances but i will say if you liked enough jennifer lopez it kind of gives you the same vibe enough jennifer lopez jono is acting like he doesn't know enough jennifer lopez no i know enough oh thank I was about to say. oh my gosh i was I'm about like, to literally lose it that was like middle school for me like i'm very old so I'm very familiar with uh, millennial thrillers. Thank you very much. Especially starring J-Lo. Yes. One of my absolute favorite shitty movies. So yeah, I mean, go ahead and give it a watch. What you got for us, Jono? I actually, right before we hopped on this, I watched the finale of Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Um, it's very good. It's just stupid enough. Um. And I, I, I am not a big fan of Martin Short. Like I, I uh, famously dislike Martin Short, but he plays against type in Only Murders in the Building. And I think that's why I enjoy it. I also really, really love uh, Selena Gomez. And you do have to say Selena Gomez, her full name. You cannot just say Selena um, because maybe they're not the same. So you have to specify. Uh, but yeah, Only Murders in the Building also, uh, if you like uh, trashy reality TV and drag queens, Dragula premiered today on Shudder, and that's the spooky drag queens with the Boulay brothers. Um, and it is uh, always batshit crazy. Always a good time. Solid recommendation. I'm not finale of Only Murders yet, but I have to agree. Selena Gomez, I'm not typically a fan of her, but she does a really great job on that show. And whoever her little like friend love interest is, is fucking hot. Aaron? Whoever you are. I Aaron don't know Dominguez? the one. I not sure. Mr. Atlanta local. You know he's from oh, here. Oh, is he an Atlanta local? Oh, baby! Yeah. If you're listening to this, baby, I am newly single. This is now your time to slide I, in. I know it's a highly coveted position, but I'm welcome for you. I literally like we. I hung out with Aaron um, at the Independent after Pageant Materials premiere uh, at the Atlanta Film Festival a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, he runs with a lot of local Atlanta actors, Courtney Dietz, Hannah Aline, he runs Amber Newcomb. He runs with that group. Um, okay. Very well, nice Jono, it really sounds like you're going to be nice. my Yenta, my matchmaker. And I appreciate you. I don't know that. him that well. I can't work. I can't work. All you need is an inch. I'll take a mile. I'll tag you on Insta and be like, here's Amanda, I guess. Yeah, I'm into it. Definitely. He's a fucking babe. Sure. 
what is your recommendation, girl? It better not be you're making yogurt. Give us something for real because I can't. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, why are y'all coming for me today? I was not going to say that. Oh, my Sarah, God. you didn't say one thing. To you you had the time. Peloton app one week. Like, but that's, rele- that's relevant. Anyway. I'm going to do my recommendation. Mine is actually the Atlanta Selfie Museum. So I actually just came back from there today on the day we're filming. So Tuesday. Um, And I spent hours in there. You're supposed to spend one hour. I was in there for hours frolicking. I paid them money to basically play in a McDonald's ball pit. And I regret nothing. I have 600 photos to call. And um, that's not good for my life. But I had a great time. So many good pictures were taken. You will see them on Instagram soon slash my blog. (laughs) So that's my recommendation. And literally, I didn't... They have at least 25 rooms that you can take photos in. You see people there doing their birthday photos. There was like a really hot Korean band or something, some cool Asians in there taking photos and like dancing. I was like, am I in a music video? Okay, you need to, I need to get a consent form for my likeness to be in this, in this video, but all right. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was cute. It was cute. And you know me, I love taking pictures of myself. That's all I do in my house. So it's nice to not have to strike any of that set. I got to go home and say bye. Yeah. Shane, please tell me you remember that last week I went to Sherry's house to uh, tape my audition and instead <laughs> we did a photo shoot of Sherry for one and a half hours before we actually got to my audition. So we did. I was least literally sh- about to say we can attest to that, that we, we, we sat there, we said, all right, let's get this picture together. Let's get these props. Let's get everything put together. How does this look? Get this little remote over here. At yeah. one point, Sherry said, let me take the pictures myself. It was great. Yeah. If What's she's one issue? thing, it is honest. Thank God for that. Um, okay, well, I'm really myself. <laughs> thank you, Sherry. I appreciate it. The one time you follow the housekeeping rules. And I thank you a lot. Because normally, I have to mute your track for hours on end. So I really thank you for this one time getting ahead of it. Um, okay, cool. So while we have Jono, I'm really excited for this episode. It's a little bit different than anything we've ever done before. But so many of you that listen are industry people or wanting to break into the industry. And Jono has been living and working in Atlanta for a long time. So we're really going to kind of lean in on his experience and get his take on things. And I'm really interested to hear some of your answers to some of these questions. So without further ado, Shane, I think you're the one to kick us off, right? Yeah. All right, King. Um, So talking about like Atlanta um, in particular, uh, my first question for you, and it's one that I kind of know the answer to, but I always love your answer for it. And I think it's great for other people to hear. I want to know what specifically keeps you in Georgia as opposed to making the trek out west. I think there are a lot of different reasons. You know, I think that Atlanta itself, you look at places like New York and you look at places like L.A. and they are large ponds and we are still very much a small pond. Not to say that we're at any serious disadvantage by that, but I think that right now, um, you know, it's it's advantageous for 
all of us to put down roots here. I think when you go to a place like LA or New York, uh, it, it can be a little bit more cutthroat. I think that the people there are a little more focused in their own self-interest. And here in Atlanta specifically, I think what we're building is is very community-oriented in the industry. We are all much more focused in helping one another in addition to helping ourselves. And we are really, really focused in uh, building each other up as best as we can. Um, being from the South, I think that it's super important for me specifically and for my, you know, my partner, Madison Hatfield, to just sort of uplift Atlanta and show that everything that we are doing here in Atlanta, in Georgia, in the Southeast is just as good as what's happening in L.A. It's just as good as what's happening in New York or, you know, some of the larger metropolitan areas that are putting out industry uh industry work that are you know doing big things in the entertainment industry and i think that if we do a good job of putting out very good content on a local independent level here and we continue to put out good work good self tapes we continue to book you know bigger and bigger roles than we've ever booked before it's going to show that atlanta is a force to be reckoned with. And in turn, it's going to create better opportunities for us. And if we keep that community focused mindset, literally Atlanta's unstoppable. No, I could not agree more. And I actually feel like there is a mass exodus from New York and LA to Atlanta. Like so many people I've met lately are like, I just moved here from LA or I just moved here from New York. And I'm like, first of all, go back, girl. Like we do not need extra people here. Like we have all the good people here already. Just go back to where you came from. But also it's really interesting because I think what those cities are lacking is that sense of community that you mentioned. I feel like Atlanta is kind of what those cities want to be where it's like, we truly are collaborating and it's kind of like a living, working, just collaborative city. And you don't really get the outside stressors like you do in New York and LA where it's like the pressure to be thin or the pressure to be cool and artistic and grungy. It's like, girl, I shop at Kroger. I buy my clothes at H&M and I'm here our entire, like that's literally who we are in Atlanta. We are our, our authentic selves all of the time. And I think that is, there's something to be said about that. I totally agree. Yeah. I think that there's a reason that so many people are, are coming, coming down from New York, coming across, across the country from LA and, and, and trying their best to set down roots here. I think that, you know, opportunities are just flourishing here as they will continue to do. And as they'll, as they will do in other places as well, you know, other cities are going to try and build up a name for themselves, but you know, you're even seeing uh, an, another growth in filming in both new Orleans and in Wilmington and all of these other places here in the Southeast. And it's just, it, it just goes to show that, from where we sit, not only as independent content creators, but also um, on a larger industry side, that you don't have to be in these places to make things happen anymore. I just did something I can't talk about yet, uh, but you know, I did it here in Atlanta, um, and it's a big thing. You know, it's a, it's a major uh, industry thing with a major studio, and and when that news comes out, it's great because we're going to be able to say, no, I didn't have to be in LA. I didn't have to be in New York. You know, what we are doing here is just as important. And I just, I, I, I think it's important for us to all remember that. 
I agree. I'm going to ask a follow-up question that's not on here because I feel like we didn't make that clear for the listeners. So can you give us kind of like a brief synopsis of what it is that you do? Like, we know that you're an actor, but you do so much more than that. So could you just tell the people the breadth of your work? And don't be humble. There's no time for that. You're amazing. So just tell us how great you are. Bob the Drag Queen said, if you're good at something, why be humble? So... Yes, go off. To me, that's a thing. Uh, Actor's actually the last thing that I am. I like barely consider myself an actor. I act sometimes when I feel like it. Um, So mainly uh, I work in the film and TV space. I spent five years working at Adult Swim. During my time there, I helped with our digital streaming network. We put out over 40 hours of original content a week. Um, For my first couple years there, I worked on a morning show, which I did five days a week an hour every weekday uh, and I did like little video segments so you know man on the street segments lifestyle segments red carpet I did a lot of celebrity interviews including you know Joe Jonas Ed Sheeran um, Jack Antonoff Little Mix met a lot of different people a lot of very very cool individuals Um, and then I parlayed that into a uh, late night show and I had my own show called Dear Jono which was sort of an advice show that aired live on Monday nights that was canceled right before the pandemic uh, but then the whole network was canceled in uh, November of 2020. So good on you. Um, and since then, I've also done a lot of uh, independent content. I've made three feature films, one that Shane's in uh, and a lot of, you know, short form content. And I've, I've put a lot of different stuff out over the, the 10 years that I've been in the industry and the like, oh, my God, seven years I've been in Atlanta. Yeah. Seven years that I've been here. And the and the the bulk of that has been done since like 2017. Um, if I may add, before Shane knew Jono, I knew of you at UF. I remember you had that web series that everybody was cast in. Growing so, pains, yeah. Yes, growing pains. I did I remember, growing pains. Yes, I weren't you the director and you were in uh, it as well? Yeah, I was in it. Um, we made a feature film that we. <laughs> Oh, the story behind that. If I tell that story, Skylar is going to kill me. Um, We made a feature film that we like did this big press release for and we were going to premiere it. And then we had issues with the video and then like it didn't happen that night. And then no one ever saw it. It's never seen the light of day. I have the only copy. And I left. I went to law school for seven months and I came back and I said, what if we revisit the row, but we do it as a web series. And so we reshot the whole thing. Um, as a as a web series called Growing Pains, which is still on YouTube, you can still see it. About I a, just pulled it up. <laughs> yeah, a gay frat boy trying to sleep with one guy from every fraternity on campus. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think I've actually been talking about revisiting this idea and like repositioning it with what I know now as a much smarter thirty year old individual, like in, a man in his thirties, versus a very stupid frat boy in his early twenties. I think that it would be a very different idea. Um, that would be a lot more inclusive and equitable for something that was about gay people. Um, a fraternity really fucked with my head. So, you know, looking at it now, I would change a lot of stuff about growing pains. So if you check it out, uh, just know I've grown a lot, uh, in, in what I put into the world. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that every time I come back to that idea, I'm like, there's something there. A gay frat boy trying to sleep with one guy from every fraternity on campus. That's so good. That's, that's hilarious. Like, that's it's amazing. so funny. It's like very Animal House meets American Pie and it's gay as hell. Like maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll write it. Who knows? 
I think there's a reason it didn't premiere that day because it was waiting for you 10 years later. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I think the reason it didn't premiere that day is Skylar's fault and I can't get into it. I think that's the reason. <laughs> Skylar, wherever you are, shame on you. I'm in his wedding and in January he'll deal. Oh, yeah. I feel like you've especially like I know you said like since 2017, but I feel like just the last year alone, like, I mean, I've only known you what eight uh yeah probably like eight or nine months now and i mean you are busy which is great and it's really awesome to see us especially going back to like the georgia question like seeing how fruitful like your work is and how much stuff you're putting out how much good work you're putting out which is um incredible i think we're ready to move on uh to the next one another one that we had for you is we want to know what is a misconception that people might have about you that you've run into. I think that the biggest <laughs> misconception is that I'm more helpful than I am. Um, <laughs> I really think that people think that I offer a safe space. Um, I don't. Um, <laughs> being I love that. Not for you. I, <laughs> I don't. Don't ask me to read your script. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, right. Don't send me. Don't send me your materials. I will blacklist your ass so fast. If you, if you send me your materials without like with no sort of like warning and you're just like, Hey, cast me your thing. I will never look at your tape ever again. I just like, you heard it here first and other directors are like this, but they won't say this shit out loud. Like I am, I I am not as helpful as you think I am. I think it's important to say, I think a lot of the times, and I'm sure you've run into this being an actor and also working with actors, actors do not have any fucking boundaries. It's like really, absolutely insane like if you wouldn't do this in regular everyday life interacting with human beings don't do it in your career just stop just don't do it at all here's the deal i look a lot more important on paper than i actually am like when you put the stuff that i've done down and you say it out loud it sounds very important i am not important first of all let's get that clear like i have no money i am broke so please don't think like anything special about me. I'm struggling to get by just like everybody else. But also like regardless of what level the production I'm doing is on, right? If it's a feature film, it's a short film, whatever the case may be. If you wouldn't do this sort of thing to a casting director, why do you think you can do it to me? Because I'm accessible to you? Because I'm here in Atlanta and like you follow me on Instagram? No. That's not how that works. And like, I'll have people that'll follow me and I'll be like, they look nice. And I'll follow them back and immediately get a message. That's like, Hey, here's my material. Please keep me in mind for this thing. And I'm like, I don't even know you. First of all, first of all, I've never spoken to you before. Why are you messaging me? I am not helpful. Well, I I want to build a larger conversation about the way that actors network, right? Like I've worked in a corporate job. So like, I understand networking to a degree actors i do not think understand networking it's like i followed you on instagram you followed me back we've now networked and i need to ask you for something it's like that is incredibly rude you should not just off jump ask people like for a favor how about hey how are you how is your day are you as fucking fucking stressed as i am like we need to be connecting on a human level i think so often and i get it actors are like stressed the fuck out and wanting to achieve so they need to just like climb 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 it's like chill for a second well my question to you is does that not make it worse 
if you hit somebody up and you say, hey, how are you? What's going on? And you feign an interest in me so that you can turn around and tell me this, that and the other. Does that 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 to me, that actually makes me angrier. And at the end of the day, like I want to build up Atlanta and I want to do what I can for this community. And like I will I I will help those within my means to do what I can. And I like keep a very long list of very incredible people who I want to work with, who I like know, maybe don't have as many opportunities as other people or like struggle here or struggle there. And like I rotate all of my movies. So I try very hard to never have the same cast twice because it's like, why do that? There's enough people here in Atlanta to use. So it's like, if I can't find it, I have the means to go out and find it. Also, like you look at places like Netflix and and all of these big studios who are like, oh, I can't find an all gay cast to be in this. I'm casting a straight person in this gay role. And it's like, if I can do it here on a local level with nothing, you got all the money in the world, baby. You can do it. Oh, Go well, and do we know it. That. We know they'd be lying. They'd be acting like they know two people and that's it. Those are the only two people on earth who can act. And we know now that that's a load of bullshit. But yeah, I think what you said is definitely true. I think feigning an interest is bullshit. Don't feign anything in life. Like, bitch, you can get hit by a car when you step outside of your fucking house. And the last thing you did was bullshit. That's fucking weird. Don't do that. Always be authentic. But also, if you don't feel comfortable authentically asking how someone is, then maybe you should not ask them for a favor. You're not on that level. You guys are not fucking cool. So don't. Um, I have a quick follow-up question about that. So, Jono, how do you, um, for your independent projects, how do you cast people? Do you go through um, Actors Access or do you just send it? It depends on the project. Um, if if I'm going through Actors Access, I will use casting director Jordan Blair Brown and I will put the casting call up and then I share it across social media. I share it on my production company social media. I share it on my social media and I say, hey, I am casting for this. If you fit go and submit. Do not message me. Just go and submit. And people follow instructions most of the time. Most of the time. But there are instances where it's like, I'll have a project and I'll be like, you know what? I really wanted to work with this person. Like we just did a short film called uh, 30 Candles. And I, I've been wanting to work with Brandon Browning, who's a local queer actor here. And I was like, Brandon, I have a part. It's perfect for you. And I was able to work with him. And I was able to work with Leah Sario. And I was able to work with Diani Rodriguez, all people who I love and adore. And I was like, look, I've been wanting to work with you for a while. Can I can I get you into this? Sometimes I'll call people and say, hey, you know what? This isn't a big part, but can you come out for me and like – I, I, you know, being able to work with you here gives me a better idea of how I can write for you in the future, because I'll go into a project and be like, you know what? I really wanted to work with this person. Let me write this part just for them. That's how I try to build up people here in Atlanta is 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 taking a look at who's doing what, how they're doing it and, and hyping up those people and lifting up individuals each time I get the chance. And then bringing in new people when I have the opportunity to say, I don't have this. I can't, I don't, I I don't have this type at my disposal. I don't, I don't have anyone that fits this bill. Let me go out and find them. We made a short film called making a scene and I got to employ, you know, a queer trans actor in the lead role playing. um, It was um, Mac beta who's, who's incredible. And it was it was an area I didn't have. I didn't have any teen openly queer actors. And 
Mac is like just barely. I think Mac is like 21, so not a full teen, but like still fits it. It's not a Ryan Murphy teen. You know, it's not, not like Ryan a, Murphy not like a 30 year old person playing a teen. But, you know, you, you find ways to uplift from your own little corner of the world and within your means. And that's my goal. So when I say I'm not helpful, I'm not helpful to those who demand help. Do you think that between talent and personality, one outweighs the other? Like, will you employ someone based on their talent over based on their personality or vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, sometimes talented people are talented and it's something that you can't overlook, especially if they're if they're the best person in the room. But I will tell you, there have been many times when I've sat in a room and said they're hard to work with. I've heard from other people. I know from personal experience and almost every time if you're hard to work with, no, we'll pass because there's someone who's hungry and who may come in and be a little green and you might have to work with them a little bit on set, but you know what? They're happy to be there. They're not going to raise a, a raise a fit and they're not going to be difficult and I'd rather work with them every time. So how do you keep yourself motivated on set days that, you know, you're just not feeling it? I don't think that there's ever been a day that I'm on set that I'm not feeling it. I think that you go into set and if you're not feeling it, you shouldn't be there. Like if there's a day where you roll on set and you're like, you know what? I'm not feeling this. This isn't the career for you. Like you need to find something else. This isn't right. I, and I don't know, it's the joy of creating and of and of and of being there around like minded individuals, all working towards one goal to make the best project possible is very exciting to me. So it's like there are no days where I feel unmotivated. There are days that I'm very, very stressed. And there have been many times where I've like walked into a room by myself and cried for five minutes and then come back and like I'm refreshed and like we'll start over and like, it you know, let's let's go through the day. But I'm never quote unquote unmotivated i'm always motivated and the motivation causes the stress but you work through it and you continue on to again make the best thing possible so i'm gonna ask you a follow-up to that so how do you keep yourself motivated between projects so like when you're doing independent writing or coming up with concepts and maybe you're not seeing the success you want to. This is a question, a personal question for myself, because I'm currently in this space right now, if I'm going to be honest, where I feel like I'm auditioning a ton. I'm not seeing the results that I want. I'm trying my best to stay motivated and be excited. So how is it that you keep yourself engaged and motivated in those moments? Do you want to act? Yes. Okay, then what's the problem? Why aren't you motivated? I think that if you aren't motivated by putting out self tapes, then you need to explore the question of whether or not you want to act. And people don't want to hear that, but that's the answer. If, if you feel unmotivated, maybe you don't want to do this because the failure is part of part of the process. Failure is an obstacle that you have to overcome. And it's a it's an inevitable part of any experience. And it makes you stronger and it makes you better. There's always going to be a thousand auditions. You're always going to have a self tape. You're always going to look to the other one. 
So if you are down about the one that you sent in two weeks ago that you didn't get a callback on or you didn't get pinned on or whatever the case may be, how are you ever going to focus on the next one? I think for me, it's less about being down. I think what's ha- what happens to me is I'm so unfazed by the fact that I don't book things. I'm just like, here's another one. Like, I don't, I don't feel but that's really, how it should be. I don't really feel like really anything towards it. I really don't. But I also do think too, some things are at play. Like Sherry, we talk about this all the time where it's like being a black woman in Hollywood is like a really interesting space to be in, especially if you're someone who grew up in the suburbs, maybe doesn't have that like gritty edge to them that is so popular in TV these days. That is also something where you're like, am I taking shots in the dark? Like, am, is this not some, am I auditioning for things that I'm just never really going to get like is is and so i think it's a couple things at play but i do i do hear what you're saying where it's like if if you're motivated by a career in acting then the auditions should be enough yeah i think it's i think it's that simple i can't speak to you know being a black woman in hollywood that's you know i'm a cisgender white man can't do it um i am gay And I do only read for cops. You know, I do only read for blue collar straight roles. I'm playing a cop, I'm playing racist, or I'm playing a racist cop. That's what people call me in for. Those are the three things. So, like, my queer ass is out there trying to butch it up and be, be a security guard or whatever the case may be. And it doesn't fit. It doesn't align. But it's about bringing, you know, bringing who you are and bringing your essence to the role. So, if you... If you feel like the roles that you're getting don't match your energy, who cares? Put your energy into it because you'll train casting to know who you are. Eventually, casting will recognize, oh, she didn't fit for this, but she was good at it anyway. So let's call her in for this other thing. Yeah, I think that's really great feedback. And I love that you share that you audition for Butch Cops all the time. Because you know what? I feel like all the time I'm auditioning for like blonde girls named Ashley or like pregnant teenagers named Bunk Week Week, neither of which I am. But I will do my darndest every single time. I will do my best every single time. Okay, so I'll hop in with the next question. So who is someone whose career you really admire and you kind of think to yourself, wow, if I could choose a trajectory, it would be that. I don't, I don't, that's a, to me, this is a hard question because everyone's trajectory is different. And like, that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm just saying to you now is like how the path that you take is going to be unique and different for everyone. You know, I, I look at directors I admire, I admire their work. I don't know that I admire anyone's path. Um, I, you know, I like Edgar Wright. I really am a big fan of Cameron Crowe. Um, I'm a big fan of Amy Heckerling, you know, clueless changed my life. Um, I like what Wes Craven, you know, what Wes Craven did from a horror perspective. And I'm a big fan as a writer of Kevin Williamson. I think that, you know, he's hit or miss, but when he, when he swings hard and and hits, he really hits. Uh, so all those, all those people are great. You know, as an actor, I really, really, really love Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I think he's probably my favorite actor actresses i don't know emma stone i guess is that an answer i'm unsure um you know locally i i I really admire like a lot of different people you know i really am a big fan of jonathan pulowski i've told him this to his face but like 
I modeled what I was doing in Atlanta after what he was doing specifically with Tyler Falbo uh, and DW Medoff. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lane Ruckus. They did a movie called The Devil to Pay uh, and what they're doing. They also did a movie with Kevin James, uh, Kevin James, yeah, called Becky. Um, yeah, so locally, like I'm a big fan of a lot of a lot of what many Atlanta people. Danielle Deadweiler, oh my god, that absolute queen and what she's doing, you know, across the board, um, and and the way she's building a name for herself and like blazing a trail, like she's incredible. I don't know. I I'm a big fan of everybody. If you're out there and you're like doing doing things and like really really kicking ass on whatever path you take i'm a fan of you i think that's lovely to say i was, I was gonna say i feel like i, I like to specifically like the comments about like people like blazing their own path and doing what they want to do and like taking big swings whether i mean going back to before whenever you're talking about like summer a hit summer i miss like i have i think so much more draw towards artists that aren't afraid to take big swings, even if it doesn't always pay off in the end. Cause I think sometimes whenever there's, I mean, artists who are, who are, you know, super perfect, like completely like rounded around the edges, like everything is so nice and neat and perfect. Like the work's always great. It's always good to see it, but it's hard to, it's hard to feel like, I think the inspiration from those people, as much as the people who are like, you know, just fucking going for what they want to do, going for their reality and what they're passionate about telling. Because I think that they like passion is what reads the strongest. And your enthusiasm for things and your passion for things will get you places. I yeah. mean, you're always going to have the opportunity to do something cookie cutter and to do something the exact way a brand wants you to do it. So why not, you know, build your own path and sell out later? I mean, that's how I feel about it. Like, I'll make... I'll make a cookie cutter movie. How much are you pay me for it? Exactly. I'll do whatever you need, baby. Trust me. <laughs> Cause I can be bought <laughs> and it does not cost that much. Honestly. I've done so much for so little. So yeah, just in terms of, of, of my life and the, and where I've been, I used to dance down the street at Disney world in a bag of carpet every day for eight fifty five an hour. I I've done, I've done so much worse. And exactly. what did that get me? What and for what? Embarrassing. Like, Nothing. My thing is, it's like taking risks. We're all afraid of it, right? Because it's like someone out there is not going to like it. But guess what? Even when you don't take a risk and you do something that's like safe into the book, someone's still not going to like it. So who the fuck cares? Just do what you want to do at this point, because there's always going to be someone who doesn't like it. That is true. You can't please everybody all the time. That's one thing the internet taught me. That's real. I think it's my turn. Right. Okay. So my question for you, Jono, is um, what does your support system look like? And it's more what are what are things, for example, like a therapist or is there something you do? What does that look like to keep yourself whole? I go to the gym. Um, I try to go as much as I can. Uh, I, I do have a therapist and we talk a lot about the my career in the industry and, and sort of making sense of my feelings about it because you can have complicated feelings. And I think that you should have complicated feelings about the industry. It's, it's completely healthy. I think it's how you process those feelings and interpret them is where you get into trouble. That's sort of where you, you know, as Amanda said, you like lose motivation or you lose you lose your will to do it. And then when that starts happening, you need to like reassess 
where you're at. But, you know, I've got a lot of a lot of great friends and um, I've got a wonderful husband who, you know, sort of keeps me on track. And if I need to, I step away. I take breaks when I can. They're not often. My mind is always like sort of like coming up with new ideas and I'm always excited by the newest thing, whatever new and Chinese in front of me. But um, I do try to to step away when I can. And that can be like taking 10 minutes away from a writing thing to like walk around or like dance around with my headphones in or go for a run or a walk. But yeah, take a break. It will always be there. I know that like half the world will be underwater by 2030, but like it will, it will be there. And if it's not, you're working on something that you love and you should love it. And you're putting your heart into something that you enjoy. And I know that this is hard to hear, but that should be fulfilling enough. I was just, I think a lot of these questions like tie into each other in a lot of different ways. And I know like going back to before about the questions about motivation and even just what we're doing right now and just talking like hearing your excitement about things that you're doing and, and your process for, for how you, how you get through those times and, and keep going and stuff like surrounding yourself with like-minded people and people who are passionate, people who are hungry. Like at the end of the day, I know whenever I get into a place where I'm like, like I'm struggling right now. You're someone that I talk to. I talk to you guys a lot. Like it just, just being around people who, who can kind of help feed each other's passions a bit is like, that almost always like takes care of the issue. And it, it gets, gets that motivation back up and that excitement back um, just to be creating and, and, and doing what we do. <laughs> Um, I think it's so interesting that you talked about taking a break because that was actually my next question. Um, but I think you've already answered it. So I'm going to ask the question that I wanted to ask that I, I'm so glad that I get to talk to you for the first time here instead of BSing you on Instagram and being like, Hey, um, hi, I kind of know of you. So this is kind of nice. I wanted to know actually, because I've been following your work for almost 10 years. So I wanted to know what you're trained in. Like, what did you, what did you go to college for and how did you end up as a director, writer, actor? Like, what did that, what does your path look like? We, I feel like we've talked about what it could be, but I want to know where, how you did it. Yeah. So I will, I will give you a very quick cliff notes. I graduated high school and was very convinced that I did not need college. And I was like, I'm not going to go. And so I went and I worked at Disney World for four years as a costumed character performer. Four years, I will never get back. And during that time, I also worked at Universal Studios on the Jaws ride. And I like killed a shark every five minutes for eight hours a day. Um, Wait, and there I need to interject really quickly. We're not going to over. We're not going to gloss over that. As a child, that was my dream job is to oh, work no. on the fucking Jaws ride. I no. used to be so obsessed with those actors on that ride. To me, you have won an Oscar. That's amazing. Really? Could you welcome aboard? Watch your step, take your seats, and we'll get ready to go. Please keep all hands, legs, and arms inside the boat at all times. No, if you're worried about shark attacks, don't be. You are protected by this 30 millimeter grenade launcher and the fact that nobody's seen a great white in this town in over 30 years. Anybody Can you do to this base? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> welcome aboard. Uh, all ha- wave goodbye to those happy landlowers, and we're off. My name's John, and I'll be your skipper today as we visit the actual spots where back in 1974 that battle shark jaws devoured those poor innocent islanders. Now, over on our starboard side, we have home of our very own chief of police, Martin Brody. Now, Brody was a legend. Ah, 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 Amity six to Not base. That sounded like effects. Gordon on Amity three. Over. Yeah. I could do the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> the way that I'm not even joking you 
Meryl Streep could be in the room and I all eyes are on you. I don't give a Amanda fuck. Amanda starstruck. I, yeah. I did it. I hated it. Oh my god. I what a terrible time in my life. Anyway, I sort of reached a fever pitch with like working at Disney and working at Universal and I was like I can't do this anymore. So I left and I went to Valencia Community College in Orlando, Kirkman High School as it is known to locals and I got my AA there. Um, and then went to UF and at UF, I was uh, an English major and with a focus in film and cinema studies. So not not film production. It was film theory. Uh, I can tell you a lot about uh, uh, cinema vierte and like where things happen in the in the you know, in the frame and what that means in a movie. I could write a lot of papers about it. Um, and that's where I met Skylar. Uh, Skylar Scott Kern, who was in a different fraternity than I was. Uh, and we connected over video work and started making movies together. Uh, from there, I went to law school for seven months because I was like, I need to do something real now that I have a degree. Uh, and that was a mistake. And I almost got kicked out. That's a story for another day. Um, and then I went back to UF for grad school, uh, specifically for uh, multimedia communications and film production. And didn't finish that program. I met my husband and moved in with him. And then he and I moved to Atlanta for the industry in 2014, two weeks before Snowpocalypse. Uh, and then I got a job at Adult Swim as a PA and transitioned from a PA into a production coordinator and started doing the live streams like we all did there. And then parlayed that into making my own content. I made my first short film here in Atlanta with Adam Gambrel. It was called Flush. It's about a haunted toilet. Uh, we made a couple of uh, horror comedies off of that. And then I decided to – that's when I transitioned from morning to night at Adult Swim. I got a part in a local movie called – you know, at the time it was Family Tradition. Now it's Pop Pop is Dead uh, by Cat Holly and Frey Ford. Met Madison on that. Three days later, we started writing our first movie together, which was pageant material. And we shot that six months later and it was a feature. So like everything happened very fast, but it was all a path of like, I'm going to do this now. And I'm, I've made the decision. I'm going to do it. Nothing's going to stop me from doing it. And since then, between Adult Swim and my own personal life with Adult Swim, I did over 600 hours of original content just for Adult Swim. Uh, for, between live content and pre-recorded stuff, and then I've put out two, three, two, three web series. I've got three feature films, and I want to say like thirty plus shorts that I've done just in that time. So Cliff's notes. That's that was my path, and it just it reached a point where I was like, if I don't do this for myself, I will not do it. So. You got a camera in your pocket. Everyone takes a video camera with them everywhere. And guess what? It shoots 4K. So there's no reason for you to not be making stuff with your friends on the weekends. Do what you want to do. You know what? I love I that. Have to say, Jono, that is a really impressive resume. And if no one else tells you, you have a lot to be proud of. That's yeah, incredible I, stuff. I feel, incredible like, stuff. I feel like I do. I feel like I've done some stuff. Well, I feel like it's deeper than the work that you've done. Like I can speak for myself. I feel like for me, I'm proud of you because you're doing what you want to do, regardless of what it is or how much or how often I think it's incredible to be 
an artist who does what they want. And I think so many of us are afraid to get to that point, myself included. So I'm proud of you for doing exactly what you want to do. And it's, it's not even how much or how often or how many people see it. It's just the fact that you're doing it, that that's, that is absolutely You just make stuff and you put it into the world. When I make something and I release it, that doesn't belong to me anymore. That belongs to the audience now. Like I put my stamp on it and now audiences have a chance to interpret it. To speak to what to what you're talking about specifically, I think that a lot of people sort of get bogged down in the idea of capitalism and like the idea of having money and the idea of having to have a job and balancing both. And I just I really want to stress to you that you don't have to like your job. You can find time of the day for the things that you love and build time out for the things that you want to do. And, and that statement is a double-edged sword because some of it's, it's, that's a privileged thing to say um, because not everybody you know has so much time in the day. But if it's important to you, you find I, I personally believe that you find time you find time for it. And I and I urge you to recondition yourself to think in a way where the job that you have on a day-to-day basis affords you the opportunity to do the things that you love. And eventually, someday, you will be able to make a change into doing the doing the things that you love full time. And that might not be today, but like right now, if you have to go to a nine to five tomorrow and then get off and put in a self tape and then also do whatever, you know, the nine to five that you're working, it gave you the money to get bomb ass headshots. It gave you the money to get the stuff that you need to, to put into your self tape. It pays for your actors access membership or your IMDb pro membership. It affords you the chance to do everything you want to do. And like, if you want to make movies, go and make movies, set aside $200 from every paycheck. And if it's, and if that's too much, set aside $25, set aside a little bit of savings until you have enough, make the movie that you want to make, go do a GoFundMe. I'm not a huge fan of them, but they work and people will give you money to follow your dreams. It's a thing that we've conditioned people to do now. If we can save someone's life with a GoFundMe, why not make a movie with it? You know, Ugh. sorry, I have a weird, complicated feelings about that, but go do it. Go do it. You have the capability to do whatever it is you want to do. You just have to believe that it can happen. And I know that that's like so cliche to say, but it unfortunately is very true. And that's why it's cliche is because people tell you, like, if you go out and try hard enough, things will happen for you. I do not chase. I attract what belongs to me will simply find me. Okay. That's literally on my lock screen right now. Why are we like, we're right here. Why are we right here? Ew. I'm like, don't like are it. Are you I'm right like there? Over, I'm over here and you're also over here too. And I don't like it because you're not. Can we be there so. too? Okay. You're not. It's me and Jono's world right now. We're like together. Should we're I one. exit the room? Should I lock off? I've been okay. waiting, but. <laughs> Jono, I have one more question for you. Yeah. You turned off my video, Amanda. You are so petty. I didn't anyway, know you had the power to do that. <laughs> you had the power to do that the whole time. See, yes, and I have been letting you run free. That is called <laughs> trusting and letting go. Sure. Okay. Well, Jono, I have this is a very interesting question, and it might be a little contentious, so That's I'm going to ask it anyway. I love it. <laughs> so I want to know your thoughts on actors with training, specifically actors with theater training, because you're a film director. 
um, in what capacity? Like in doing way- doing film work. Like I mean, what have training? Yeah, um, yeah. Like- so in in translating to film work, so have what's your experience in working with those actors versus actors that quote unquote are raw and don't have acting training, quote unquote? It depends. I think that I am a big fan of any actor with any training to be able to access those feelings and do what you need to do in any capacity is wonderful. I think that the more theater training is ingrained in your body, sometimes the harder it will be for you to convey things on a on a camera. You're going to be a little big. You're going to need to be pulled back. I would rather as a director pull someone back than have to force them out of their shell every time. I would rather find someone who has training and for me to dial it back with them and bring them out of the theater space than it would be for me to have to pull teeth to get it out of them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of training. That being said, I will say this, watch where you get your training. Do, do research on everyone that you're training with. Um, if that person hasn't worked in many years, maybe explore why maybe she's difficult. I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe she's manipulative. Maybe she, uh, is, is emotionally pushes and that not just she, he, maybe he's a closeted Republican who's posing as a liberal. I don't know. I would just say, do your research about, about, about the people that you are working with. And this is across the board. This doesn't just go for training, but this goes for anybody. Um, but training is a great segue into this. Uh, if more than one person saying it, there has to be some truth to it. Um, so, you know, keep your, keep your ear to the ground. Um, training is training is really, really wonderful. And it's a great thing to have, but unfortunately we operate in a space where people want to take advantage of others. Um, and they want to, Prey on actors when actors are the most vulnerable people in the world. So go get your training, whether that's in a theater space or in a um, in a film space. But just be just be aware, just be cognizant of who you're working with, because um, if you're expected to be vulnerable, there should be no reason why anyone should prey on that. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's so true. Sometimes people present a safe space when it's in fact like a trap. Nothing about it is safe and everything that you say and do will be used used against you. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. I think that there are certain, there are certain acting coaches and this is across the board. This isn't just here in Atlanta. This is, this is everywhere, but they present as a safe space, but really those spaces are designed to keep you broken to keep a steady, steady stream of income. Uh, theater training and, and acting training in general uh, operates in a space where as long as you are broken, you will need the person training you to keep you sort of utilizing that brokenness. And if they can keep you broken and push those buttons and pinch those nerves, they always have money coming in. So if you feel pushed, if you feel pinched, if you feel broken, you should not be there because acting coaches, good ones, they want to help you feel whole. 
because being whole and being yourself changes your energy in a way that no one can tear down. And that's what comes through on a self tape. Boom. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. We have one more. It's really my question because I can't possibly exist in a world where I don't get to talk shit for one second. What is the messiest thing that you have ever experienced on a set? Hmm. If you Hmm. want, I'll go first for inspiration. You let me know. Messiest thing I've ever experienced on a set. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think I try to block those things out of my mind. Um, I've worked with people who've been super rude to me, both as an actor and, and, you know, as a director, I've, I've worked with, with things that have been stressful, but I don't, I don't know that I have anything that is particularly messy. Sorry to disappoint. Yeah, that but is a disappointment. Go. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you've never showed up on set and this guy that you've been ghosting for three months is also there. And surprise, you guys are actually cast as a couple and you have to kiss and be romantic. But you literally didn't talk to him for three whole months because you were immature and ghosting him. You've never had that experience before? No, but I'm sorry you did. <laughs> I plead the fifth. (laughs) Okay, well, I think I can speak for everyone when I say, Jono, we are so thankful that you decided to take some time out of your very busy Tuesday to chat with us. You are so appreciated. And honestly, I can speak for myself. A lot of the things that you said in this conversation were speaking directly to my heart. So I appreciate everything and every heartfelt, heartfelt answer. Um, Shane, Sherry, you guys say something nice about our guests. Don't be rude. Yeah. I want to go back to the very first, uh, answer about going about him not being helpful and you're talking about not being helpful. Cause real quick, just to stroke at you for a second while all that stuff on Instagram and, and everything beforehand, absolutely. Once you actually get on set with Jono, he does create a very safe, very helpful space. Um, and it's, that that was specifically an experience that has been like very memorable for me. And it will be something that I continue to take with me um, throughout the rest of, of my career. And I think it's important to, to make note of that as well. Thank you. Um, I think it's so cool. I talked about this, I think last season or something that the director who casted Shane after listening to say Lati is Jono. Yeah. He I, played a clip and I did. Tell it, John. I, um, I wasn't there. I didn't know Shane at all. I knew Shane. Um, I had seen him on on all of the gay dating apps, uh, but I didn't like know him. Oh, so <laughs> I uh, and then I got his tape, and I was like, "Let me watch this." And so I love to do research about actors. So I like looked up Shane everywhere I could to watch his clips and get a better idea. Um, and Shane Shane's tape was. N- admittedly and you and I haven't had this conversation so let's just have it now Shane's tape was not exactly what I wanted um Shane was not really my first choice for the part and I was like there's potential there I just need to hear him sound natural I need to hear him sound like himself if he can come into a situation and be authentic I know that he can do it so I listened to this 
to make sure because I didn't want to hear him on here sound performative. Cause I was like, if he's on a podcast and sound performative, he's not right for this. So I listened to this and I was like, he sounds natural. And so then I fought for him and no one else wanted to cast him. And I put my foot down and said, I believe in Shane. And now people watch the edit and they were like, you were right. We were wrong. And I think that wow, Shane, Shane and everyone, I think to, to dote on Shane for a little bit, I think that everyone is going to watch Miles from Nowhere and see Shane's work and, and, and be surprised. And I think no one more than Shane will be because Shane was in it. And I think that oh. Shane very much doubted himself and continues to doubt what he's done. And it's why he's scared of seeing clips of it now without it being complete. But I think that, you know, I think that he's he and everyone will be very surprised by what Shane does. Well, we will be there and we'll be very excited to watch because contrary to popular belief, I love to shit on Shane, but like, fine, I'll say it on the record so everyone can hear. I think Shane is a lovely human and a fantastic actor. So we are so proud of you. Of course, we will be there cheering you on. But after that, I will never say a kind thing about you. Just know that was the last fucking time I'm ever going to give you a fucking compliment. I would expect nothing less. And if, and if it was anything different, there'd be something wrong. Well, Jono, thank you again so much for being here. Um, if you are listening to this, that means we have just two episodes left. Tell three friends about Say Let Tea Podcast. And, you know, we're going to go on a hiatus and we are going to miss you. So if you need to binge this season from the beginning, we don't blame you. And with that, three, two, one. We, we out. out. Thanks, everyone.